0: This Blitz podcast is brought to you by Bravado Wireless, available online at bravadowireless.com. At 734, since it is a Thursday and it's about that time, we visit with Ryan Aber from the Daily Oklahoma, and he is our OU insider. Oh, I think Danny Stutzman just made another tackle, Ryan.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's certainly uh, racking them up for, for sure at this point. You know, he had a ton of tackles uh, last year, but sometimes... The form was a little shaky. So far, he's been uh, fantastic through two games for the Sooners. Did you see
0: the, the tweet, too, his car was towed?
1: Yeah, that that's crazy. He he actually talked about that a little bit uh, when uh, I, I say we got to talk to him earlier this week. I wasn't able to make interviews this week for some health reasons. But uh, Danny uh, sort of laughed it off and, and said, Dad, it's just, you know, the rest of the week went pretty well for him, so he apparently didn't have his parking pass displayed.
0: Yeah, as a matter of fact, he put up a picture. The tweet was actually kind of funny. He didn't look mad. He just said uh, 20 He said, tackles, and this is what you get. And it's just him standing in an empty, <laughs> an empty spot after the car had been towed. <laughs> Somehow I think he probably knows a guy. And he probably uh, got out of that. All right, so let's move to game two. All right, uh, not a huge win, but a big enough win, 28-11. to 11. That's not a bad SMU team, and they, it's, a, it's a much better defense than people might believe. So, I mean, that's not a bad way to win. You go ahead and win a second game after listening and hearing what happened, you know, and the responses from everybody this week. You think that's a good win?
1: Yeah, I, I think so. Certainly there's a lot of stuff that they wanted to do better, especially on the offensive side of the ball. But I think Brent Venables especially was really pleased with uh, the defensive performance and the way that they responded after uh, allowing that touchdown uh, there late that, that uh, you know tightened it up, made it 14-11 uh, to 11 there. And uh, the, the 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 defense was able to play in a way that they, they weren't able to a year ago. And I think that's the biggest takeaway now offensive offensively their, their line has got to perform better, especially at that uh, left guard spot where Savion bird really struggled. They rotated in Troy Everett bird came back in uh, late and uh, performed a whole lot better, but they've got to be much more consistent up there. And then, uh, you know, Tawie Walker sort of bailed him out, especially early in the game when they couldn't get anything else going offensively other than him. Uh, so uh, there's, there's still some things to, to work out over there after looking so good uh, the week before, but that's sort of what we expected. SMU, like you mentioned, a much better opponent, but uh, they're going to face some better opponents than the Mustangs uh, down the road. So they've got some things to clear up.
0: They do, but they're two you know they're unbeaten. They've done what they needed to do thus far, and that's better than you know. Well, even at this time last year, there were some questions. Uh, you're seeing a, a, a kind of a, you're not seeing anybody take over at receiver, but you've seen a very competent Dylan Gabriel, which is what we're used to. Somebody asked about Jackson Arnold this week and said he's going to is he going to red shirt and. Brent kind of looked at him like they were nuts and said, no, he's our number two quarterback. Things are going to go well. I, I think so far he they have when he's in there, and I've certainly been happy with Dylan Gabriel. You happy with quarterback play?
1: Yeah, Gabriel's been fantastic. I mean, heck, you look at, uh, you know, obviously wasn't as good numbers-wise as he was in the, the first game, but, you know, you look at the, the PFF grades, for for instance, and he was, you know, right up there. I think there were, you know, Tyler Guyton and, and Tylee Walker were ahead of him on the, uh, the offensive grade sheet, but nobody else. And the the numbers 19 to 27, pretty efficient. Mostly the yardage that would have liked to have seen that a little bit more, didn't push the ball down the field nearly as much, but still before touchdowns. Uh, Andrew Anthony has looked really good through, through a couple of games that, you know, seven catches, 76 yards and a touchdown for them, uh, uh, on Saturday, so I think they need to get Jaleel Farouk going a little bit more. Uh, you know, only two catches for 33 yards through two games, but uh, some encouraging signs there for sure.
0: We're talking with our OU insider, that is Ryan Aber from the Oklahoman. It's 7:39 here on the Blitz 1170.
2: Yeah, I want to go back to the defense. They've only given up 11 points so far in two games. Statistically, they've done they're doing things that we haven't seen in almost 20 years in Norman, but one of the complaints so far or the concerns is the lack of quarterback pressure in sacks. How do they kind of remedy that moving forward?
1: Well, I think it's one, it's the way that, that these two teams have defended their, you know, went about uh, trying to neutralize them. And they've, there's been a lot of, uh, you know, max protect and things like that, that have made it a little bit more difficult, but, they've also got to be a little bit more creative and trying to get through that and bring pressure and, you know, get, get, get those sacks regardless of what the defense is doing. Uh, I think those, those guys up front, especially some of the transfers that we've talked so much about leading into the season need to uh, start, start being the disruptive presence that, uh, you know, I think a lot of us expected them to be, you know, guys like uh, trace Ford and, uh you know like guys like that uh they they've got to start Rondell bothroyd they've got to start getting after the quarterback because that was a big issue last year when the defense sort of fell off the the face of the cliff was that uh lack of quarterback pressure and um you know there's some reason to think even with the success that they've had this year that uh, they're and that they had early last year that they're this is a much better defense but that's certainly something that they've got to figure out a way to uh, get around
0: yeah and, and obviously right now coming down to Tulsa you're not going to face what you will face when you're at Texas or somewhere like that but this is a team now three quarterbacks in who did move the football especially ran it well against a Washington team that's number eight in the country, and I can tell you, they're damn deserving of that ranking after seeing them in person this weekend. When you see and look at Tulsa, certainly we understand what's, you know, on paper what's supposed to happen, but where do you see matchup issues?
1: Yeah, I think, you know, looking forward to seeing how OU handles that uh, that that running, uh, running game you, t- you talked about. Their, uh, you know, run defense has been really good uh so far but uh you know, Tulsa has been pretty good there with uh what averaging 214 yards on the ground so certainly that's an area that's uh, a little bit of a concern you know the the passing not as much with uh like you mentioned the quarterback issues Kevin Wilson talked about it earlier this week not sure who is going to start there uh at quarterback and then uh you know on the other side I think uh, uh, Tulsa's run defense has been pretty solid so far. So are, are they able to find uh, ways to be effective on the ground? Uh, Tawi Walker being one of them, obviously, but also they've got to get uh, some of these other guys going, you know, Javante Barnes, and we've only seen one carry out of uh, Gavin mm-hmm. Um I don't know that Tawi Walker is going to be a guy who's going to be able to carry that position the entire year. Um, but he's a guy that, you know, I think we all thought was going to be their, their number four running back. And all of a sudden he's their pretty clear number one, uh, you know, if that continues great, but, uh, I think they've, they've, they're going to need Javante Barnes, especially at some point this year and it's probably going to be not too far down the road before they're going to need to count on him.
0: The last couple more minutes here with uh, Ryan Aber from the Oklahoma our OU Insider. If you'd like to ask a question, you can do so by text at 918-262-5072. You know, at both news conferences, both Prince and Kevin Wilson's, everybody asked about knowing the other guy, and they did both of them talked about some of the practice battles. Co- Coach Wilson here told us about You know, Brent's guys always being the last guys out of the locker room to stretch because he was going over so many things and how they had some, you know, pretty prestigious battles when it came to practice time. So is this too much being made of the fact they just know each other and coach together at one time? Because in the end result, you know, I don't care how much you know a guy, if you've got more talent on one side than the other side, you're likely to win that game. Are we overdoing that?
1: Oh, I I think a little bit, but I think part of that is the fact that you know, on paper, this game shouldn't be much of a contest. I mean, you know, you should beat Tulsa pretty soundly just based on talent and uh, based on recent success uh, it, it, plus that. So um, I, I think it's, you know, trying to find storylines where sometimes maybe it's hard to find on-field on storylines this week, um, even though there's, there's plenty of those for sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, it, you know, it's still interesting to, that Kevin Wilson going against not only Brent Venables and a guy that he's very familiar with, but also OU and a program he's very familiar with. So um, I don't think that it's going to mean a lot in the end because both Brent Venables and Kevin Wilson are much different coaches than they were a decade ago, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's still sort of one of the fun things to talk about uh, leading into this week.
2: Brent Venables reiterated the other day that Jackson Arnold isn't going to redshirt this year. We saw him have four carries in the win over SMU. Is that about what we're going to see him you know, in the upcoming weeks, about that many carries, or is he going to have uh, you know, a few more carries? Is he going to be a – I don't want to say bigger because obviously Dylan Gabriel is the starter and going to get a majority of the snaps. But how much of a role in the offense are we going to see him in the next coming weeks?
1: Yeah, it, it seems like they're going to – keep using him in that sort of uh, short yardage uh, type of situation where they sort of have to have a running quarterback. And Dylan Gabriel's shown he has the ability to run. You know, he had uh, 20 yards of uh, – 20 rushing yards the other day. So they're going to use him a little bit. But I think especially after, you know, what we saw last year, our first play of overtime at Texas Tech with him getting hit Really hard, and not like they're going to set Jackson Arnold up for big hits like that. But I think you can, if you can preserve the uh, amount of wear and tear your starting quarterback takes a little bit with a guy who uh, can run the football a little bit better than you do that. And I think that's what they've chosen to do with Jackson Arnold. It's interesting. I don't think it's going to morph into, you know, a belldozer like package where it's automatic every single time and uh, it becomes a it's something that is going to be you know, used to you know, 5, 10, 15 plays a game. I think it's going to be a little bit more sporadic than that, but still, I think it's going to be a regular part of their offense. The interesting thing to me is going to be when they start throwing out of it because you know that at some point they're going to have to Uh, show that that ability to throw out of it which they obviously can because jackson arnold has a fantastic arm i think it's just sort of maybe this week last week uh, maybe setting some things up Uh, maybe even some some trick uh trick plays or things like that setting some things up for when they're really going to need uh you know, big time plays out of that package.
0: I guess. Lastly, we're not that far into it; just a couple of games. We're gonna, you know, be a third game in here. What are you taking thus far? And and are you more encouraged, less encouraged? You about where this team you thought it was going to be? You looking at some big upside?
1: Yeah, I think to me, uh, more encouraged. And and I actually wrote about this uh, in today's Oklahoma this is the reason because of how much better their tackling is than it was a year ago. And, you know, even though last year they outscored their first two opponents by a ton and uh, the defense was getting pressure like crazy. And and you, you thought, Hey, this is a much more physical uh, branded defense than we've seen. And then they fell off a cliff. But even in those two games early last season, they missed a ton of tackles. There were 33 missed tackles uh, over that period. And uh, so far, through uh, two games, the number is, I believe, 11. So it's a big, big difference in the amount of uh, missed tackles that we've seen. And uh, Brent Venables and Ted Roof and some of the players talked about this this week. That certainly... Shown in in Danny Sussman's play, like you mentioned, with all the tackles that he's been able to rack up, but also just up and down the board, they've had a lot of guys uh, contributing there with tackles, but also uh, you know finishing the opportunities that they have. And I, I think that's something that you would anticipate uh, you know, continuing through through the season, even as the opponents. Uh, Get uh, get tougher down the road. So, what are you working on for the Oklahoma today? Yeah, today, uh, you know, pretty much at this point, the uh, the haze and the barn. So, uh, <laughs> i actually, well, I, I say that um, we're we're working on a package for uh, Joe Masada is actually writing the the main bar. Our new columnist uh, is writing about Barry Switzer's uh, the 50th anniversary mm-hmm. of Barry Switzer's yeah. first head coach. Uh, first game as a head coach sorry a little bit tripped up this morning uh but uh i'm taking a look at the 50 greatest players from the barry switzer head coaching era so uh keep an eye out for that and uh yeah it's uh it's crazy to think it's been that long yeah. since uh barry switzer uh you know started out his head coaching career but uh it, it has uh and actually tomorrow is the anniversary of that first game down in Baylor uh, fifty years ago?
0: And something tells me that at least one young man named Selman is in that top group.
1: Uh, yeah, there's for some reason that last name just keeps
0: popping <laughs> up as I, uh,
1: you know, put this list together. Yep. there, uh, there, there wound up being a a lot of them. I'll, I won't, uh, you know, give it away any uh, spoilers there, but uh, there are a couple. Maybe yeah. three Selmans on the list, <laughs> but uh, you know you have to look at the Oklahoma to uh, be sure. There you go.
0: I think you should put a fourth, and that'd be Mrs. Selman, because as we always said, God bless Mrs. Selman. Hey, tremendous, oh, yeah. tremendous.
1: Winter, uh, was immensely grateful for her, for sure. <laughs> no doubt.
0: Uh, tremendous visit as always, Ryan. Thanks very much. I uh, hope you get better from whatever the health issue was, and we'll talk to you next week.
1: Yeah, sounds great. Appreciate it. Y'all have a good one. Thank you for listening to this exclusive Blitz 1170
0: podcast from Bravado Wireless.